Oh, I like those. Those have been good. You know, it, it just didn't make sense. Um, I don't know why it had to be so complicated. It should have been easy. I mean, how hard could it be to make something just simple, understandable? And, and how could a goofy newspaper flyer advertising a Christmas sale make it so difficult? Here's what the heading said, last second gift sale. Second. It's a time interval, is it not? So when would this last second sale be other than 11.59.59 Christmas Eve, right? Because it is a last second sale. However, this particular flyer makes it very difficult because this last second gift sale is from December 20th through December 24th. That's four days. That's not a second. How could it be so confusing? And, and then the thought is, okay, what could be so urgent that you'd have to go the last second on 11.59.59 Christmas Eve to go get a gift? I mean, how negligent do you have to be to wait till that last second? And then what would this store offer that would be so good that you would grab it at the last second on December 21st, whatever that is. So I thought, okay, this would be good. What, what would they offer at 11.59.59? Well, ironically, a clock. Maybe they should read it to figure out the time interval distance. Or an alarm, an AccuWeather projection alarm clock for those who can't see in the morning and project that bad boy on the wall. I thought this would be interesting. What could you use that last second? How about a storage bench? A storage bench, really. At 11.59.59, I'm going to go get a storage bench. I thought that was interesting. They did have a table saw. That one I understood. Okay. <laughs> well, if you have a lot of guests over, this one makes sense. A Nash hammock. At 11.59.59, in, in walks Uncle Rusty. You go get a hammock. That makes sense a little bit to me. This one makes sense maybe to Dave Sager and I, a disco ball light, okay? We, we, we get that. Uh, and then if you're really creative, you take it and put it on top of that alarm clock that projects. That would be interesting, okay? That would be interesting when alarm goes off. And, uh, and so I'm a little confused by it all, still trying to figure out what this 11.59.59 four-day sale is all about. Um, but that's probably not the only one I'll be confused over. You see, the flyer assumes something, doesn't it? It assumes that some people are going to be scrambling around at 11.59.59 at the last second looking for a gift. It's an assumption the flyer's making. It's an assumption the store is making. That life is going to be at such a hectic pace that people will have forgotten a gift. Or they will have gotten a gift, and they're like, oh, I should give one in return. Ever been there? Right? You're like, oh, great. He's going to win this one. You know. So at 11.59.59, I'm going to run, and I'm going to get one for him or her. And so this idea, this assumption that, that life's going to be at such a hectic pace 
is made by this flyer and many, many others. And many other last-second sales that will be coming. And that really defines a lot of people's Christmas time is hectic. It's last second. I should have done this. I got to do that. Hey, honey, could you pick up more marshmallows? On the way home, I know you just picked up $100 worth of groceries. However, could you turn around? Because I need this. And so you turn around. But you got something to do. And so come, goes the pace and the pace and the pace. And what happens when the pace is fast? We forget an E. Peace. Pace becomes the opponent, the enemy of peace. Because we like this fast pace in life. We like fast pace in relationships. We want pace, and we pay for it with a lack of peace. As the skit reminded us, peace can be defined as freedom from disturbance, quiet, tranquility. But think about it, peace is often best seen in moments that are quite opposite of that. I mean, peace is very noticeable when there's an absence of conflict. So when does peace become noticeable? Well, moments of conflict. We recognize our need for peace, the power that peace that power of peace that God provides, we see peace most clearly, not in the absence of noise, not in the absence of suffering and conflict, but in the very midst of it. We need peace. Jesus the Messiah was and is many things. And here's what the prophet foretold in Isaiah 9-6. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called. Okay, this child to be born, this son to be given, this is going to be great. And the government's going to be on his shoulders. What's his name? Prophet says, here's, here's his name. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. I mean, all those other ones just, I mean, you get excited. Wonderful. Counselor. I mean, he's going to bring comfort like no one else. Oh, he's a mighty God. Unlimited. I mean, he can do anything. He's everlasting Father. He's never going to run out of you. He'll always be there. He's eternal. And then there's this Prince of Peace. It's as if the one they tell about is the key to this life of peace. It's important to remember, though, that Jesus is not just some symbol of peace. He is peace. And he offers a gift of peace this Advent season. He gives the gift of peace. Matter of fact, this was part of the original birth announcement, if you remember, made by the angels. Suddenly, we're told, Luke 2, 13 and 14, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. They praised God. And they said, glory to God in the highest. Remember the rest of it? And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, if you've been able to join us these last three weeks, we've talked about the gifts of Christmas. We talked about the gift of hope, the gift of love, the gift of joy. This morning, we talked about the gift of peace. That's why we lit the candle of peace. Advent, we talked about the season. 
for allowing God's peace to infiltrate our hearts and our minds as we prepare, prepare for His coming, His unique coming at Christmas, and certainly His return someday. Jay, did you leave water up here? Okay. Emily. Okay. My girls. I've had a cold that's starting to really take root here. Um, and so what an appropriate time and season to recognize Jesus as our peace. Now really our world is, if you think about it, not much different than when Jesus stepped into a couple thousand years ago. We're sure we're more technologically advanced, but our fast-paced, high-tech capabilities, you're awesome, Dwayne, thank you. Thank you, thank you. We are technologically advanced, that's for sure. But our fast-paced, high-tech capabilities in many ways have added to more anxiety, more stress, and fatigue, again, at that relentless pace of life. Now, the scenery and process of daily life looks very different. I mean, we seem to struggle and sometimes really wonder if we can even get through the day. Now we look at our world and it rages with war, violence, governments. <laughs> Need I tell you, our government is not at peace. Um, politicians rage, they clamor. And while we certainly have very much to be thankful for in our lives and certainly in our community and country, peace can and it does seem very elusive. Now think about this. Have you ever been somewhere that suddenly got very quiet. I mean, it's really noisy, and, and all of a sudden, um, I was watching a football game on TV, uh, and it was noisy, and everyone's going cr- crazy. All of a sudden, it was quiet. It was like nobody's saying anything. Or if you've been in a basketball game, really noisy, everything, they get the free throw line, all of a sudden, ready to shoot, nothing. It's just quiet. And it seems kind of eerie a little bit. Um, and maybe there's the buzz of lights you pick up on that you never really, really would have noticed before. Or there's something, a little noise there that you just didn't know, a humming light or something, uh, that you would never noticed before until it got really quiet. And the same can be true for peace in our lives. Sometimes it's the hustle and bustle that when it finally stops, we hear. And we begin to breathe. We begin to experience what we didn't know we needed to experience because of all the noise around us. Now, there is a certain type of peace Jesus talked about. And it's a peace only he gives. John 14, 27, Jesus says to his disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Notice the distinction. There's a peace only Jesus gives. No one else has it. No one else can offer it. It's a peace that only He gives. And because He is that peace giver, He's the only one qualified to say and really be able to pull it off. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because Don't let your hearts be troubled because there's a peace I have that I can give to you. 
Now, there's over 750 verses in the Bible. I didn't look them all up. That talk about peace. And they could be summarized in three different categories. If you took all seven, over 750 verses, you could summarize them into three categories. One, spiritual peace. The second one, emotional peace. The third one, relational peace. And so you have this eternal peace with God. You have this internal peace with self. Then you have this relational peace, this external peace with other people. That's what the Bible talks about. And that's the gift we unwrap today, this gift of peace. And so let's talk a little bit about it. This peace that Jesus came to give, first and foremost, is peace with God. Peace with God. There's a bumper sticker that says, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. It's not being redundant. It's just spelling different. No Jesus, N-O Jesus, no N-O peace. But if you want to know Jesus, K-N-O-W Jesus, then you can know K-N-O-W peace. Now, it looks good on the back of a car and, and other places on billboards and signs, but boy, there's a lot of truth packed into that. It's because Christ came, that he came to bring peace. And when he came to this earth and he came to live among us, he died on the cross and rose from the dead, he defeated sin and death, and he made it possible to have peace with God. 2 Corinthians 5.18 tells us Jesus came to bring peace between us and God. It's a thing only Jesus can do. Romans 5, 1-2 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. Now notice the wording. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice who's absent from that phrase. You. Me. It's not through us that we can have peace with God. It's not through anything we do. Matter of fact, we're not even really part of this equation at all. Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus saves, Jesus brings peace. It's a gift. It's a gift we receive. It's a gift we believe in. We're justified through faith. We have peace with God. And Jesus brings and he allows peace with our Creator. Because it's our first and greatest need is for peace with God. The Bible uses some pretty harsh language. It says we're hostile to God. We're enemies of God. We sinned against God. We trespassed against God. We've rebelled against God. We've done everything but strive to be at peace with God. We're disconnected with God at so many levels. Humans have been at odds with God. And our sin and His holiness are incompatible. We like to make our own rules. We like to do what we want. We want to act like God. And it's put us in conflict with God. We're not at peace with God. Matter of fact, our whole lives, if you look back on your life, you could probably say, you know, I lived a lot of my life ignorant of the peace of God. But something deep inside me testified to the fact that I long for something more. And so we live in conflict with God. 
That's why no conflict on earth can compare to this need between peace between man and God. We need peace with God. And through Jesus, we can be justified by grace through faith. And when we believe in Jesus Christ and accept his gift of salvation and forgiveness, we are at peace with God. We've been made to be connected with God. That's that's where we live most fulfilled. That's where we experience what Jesus said, an abundant life. Abundant because we're at peace with God. And this eternal peace with the Creator is a great gift we can receive this season. It's available to everybody in this room. It's available to you. It's where we start by receiving this gift. It's where we all must abide. It's where we must return to. You see, we belong to God in Christ for those who've trusted Christ and what awaits them an experience of being peace with God. We're unified with Him. We are His. He's our Father. We're His children. As those who've come to faith, may we lean into and experience the peace this reality offers. It all starts with being at peace with God. Then there's this peace within. This emotional peace. The Bible calls this the peace of God. So we, we can be at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and then we can have the peace of God through experience in our day-to-day life. As I mentioned, there's so much that drags us away from the peace of Christ. Unfortunately, God knows this unrest we feel within ourselves. He made you and I. He knows our deepest thoughts, our deepest anxieties, our deepest hurts, our deepest joys, and our desires. And He knows our need for peace. He knows the broken world surrounding us, and He knows the unrest clamoring around and against us. He has a peace for every problem. Do you know that? If your problem is financial, he has peace for it. If it's relational, he has peace for it. He has peace for every problem. I mean, it's that good of peace. It's not fragile. It's not fickle. It's a miraculous peace, actually. Paul offered these appropriate words in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything. 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 Not be anxious about anything, not some things, anything. But in every situation, not some situations, every situation, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Okay, God, that's that's what Paul says we should do. And here's what God brings to the table. And the peace of God, which blows your mind, that's Matt's translation, which is beyond all understanding, It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a promise. What a practice it is. What a powerful peace we can experience. Look at those phrases. God's peace transcends all understanding. It defies our world, our circumstances. It doesn't make sense to have it to those who are outside Christ. It fills us when everything going on around us is not conducive to peace. I guess you could say, in other words, it shows itself most strongly in circumstances where peace does not, just not make sense. Could be a tragedy, could be an illness, could be a conflict, or a heartache. And no matter how bad your situation, God is there with you, offering a gift, the gift of his peace. And it's stronger than whatever difficulty you face. Now notice too that this peace is calm. It's restorative. It's strong. It's active. It's so much so it's able to do something. Guard your heart and mind. 
It's strong enough to defy our worst nightmares. And I think one of this interesting thing about these ver- this, those verses, and maybe you're familiar with them, maybe you have them on plaque on your wall, or uh, you pasted it on Facebook, and it looks really good, and you probably read it, and maybe felt guilty, like, well, I'm pretty stressed today, and uh, I'm guilty of this verse, so I'm just not even going to read on. Uh, it'll, con- it'll convict me. But if we can just manage to pray, thank God, and ask Him about everything, we can know His peace. But you see, it's not a formula. And that's how a lot of people approach Philippians 4, 6, and 7 in my experience. They're like, okay, here's the formula. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to offer petitions. Not sure what those are, but I'm going to offer them. And I'm going to do it with thanksgiving. Okay. Where's the peace? Right? You've looked at it. We've probably all done that. It's a formula. No, it's a person. Jesus Christ. He is our peace. So it's not just about throwing up a few prayers hoping that the, they'll catch a whim and somehow result in peace. It's praying. It's who you're praying to. You're praying to Jesus. He's our peace. And when you give thanks, you're giving thanks to Jesus because he's our peace. Peace can come because Jesus is our peace. That's what Philippians 4 is talking about. As a matter of fact, verse 5 the verse before 6 and 7, we shouldn't be surprised. Maybe you know what it says, the Lord is near. Isn't that good? Because the Lord is near, because Jesus Christ is near, Paul says, okay, now we can talk verse 6 and 7. But you take 5 out of the equation, it becomes a formula. But it's not because Jesus is near. Oh, it's beautiful verses. Peace comes as a result of the transformation we experience as the Holy Spirit shapes our perspective and realigns our hearts. Yes, our troubles rage on, but the Spirit can give us new eyes to see and the peace of Christ can rule and calm us. You see, it's that miraculous peace that comes when the bank account's empty. It's a miraculous peace Jesus gives when a child walks away. It's a miraculous peace Jesus gives when life changes, when life's confusing, when your health isn't the greatest, Jesus gives a miraculous peace. Perhaps it's one of the greatest gifts we experience on earth. Is this deep-seated peace that calms, assures, and anchors our soul. What a gift. Peace with God. Then we can experience the peace of God. And then we can live with an expectancy of a peace that is to come. So we've looked at this peace, but what about peace without? I mean, what about situations we cannot change? Relationships are broken. Maybe the chaos, we just can't calm. Maybe the circumstances well beyond our control, circumstances we don't understand. What do we do with the need for peace all around us? There's oftentimes, I read an article about a, a, a Christian actually wrote it about five things to do when your family doesn't like each other over the holidays. I thought, oh, yuck, this would be interesting. It was all really good stuff, but it's like the fact you even have to write that article. Uh, what do you do when peace around you seems impossible? This again, we recognize that two pronged nature 
of this Advent season. We wait for Christ's coming at Christmas. We trust He's going to bring a peace, but we also look forward to that time when He'll make all things right. And then we'll know peace in its utter fulfillment. But until then, as we walk this earth, we turn to Jesus' words that He spoke to His disciples in John 16, 33. He said this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Now, I mean, those aren't accidents. Jesus chose his words really carefully. Because in this world, Jesus told them and us, you will have trouble. I mean, Jesus understands this isn't going to be easy. You're going to have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. I know it's great words. Boy, we need them more. I've told you these things so that in me, in me, Jesus said, you can have peace and there's going to be trouble. But you can take heart that because there's peace in me, I can do something about it. I've overcome this world. So you can have peace. Because I've overcome the world. You can have peace. And it's only found in Jesus Christ. There's a peace today and there's a peace yet to come. And in the time in between, we trust in Jesus' name. We trust in Jesus' promise that He brings a peace. That's why it all starts with peace with God. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can't know this peace I'm talking about. You'll continue a life of frustration, turmoil, greater stress, greater anxiety, greater difficulty focusing. It'll be difficult for you without Christ. But Jesus gives us miraculous peace that we can experience day to day that Paul described in Philippians 4. So where are you today? Are you at peace? I mean, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And Can you sit here and say, I know I'm at peace with God because I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I know it comes only through Him, and I've trusted Him. Or you sit here, and inside, you're churning, because you know you're not right with God. You know you've never come to faith in Christ. It starts there. And you dare not leave here without coming to Christ. What a risky proposition to leave here without coming to terms with who Jesus is. Maybe you are a Christian and you have come to faith in Christ, but you're like, Matt, last thing that's kind of experiencing right now is peace. I don't have it. We talked a couple weeks ago that obedience brings hope and obedience brings peace too. Are you obeying Jesus? Are you following Him? Are you abiding in Him? Are you drawing near to Him? Because remember, He's our peace. Paul said it in prayers and petitions with thanksgiving, all those things we experience in our communion with Jesus. Maybe you should start examining those things in your life. I long for the peace that Jesus gives in my day-to-day life. And as we celebrate Advent season of waiting, let's recognize that we wait with longing for God's peace to be made perfect in our world. Let's also remember that the peace of Christ is here and now waiting to fulfill us all. We don't have to wait to the last second. We can experience God's peace right now in this place in every heart. Let's pray. God, thank you.
that in the season of Advent, we can unwrap your gifts of peace. Oh Lord, I pray that we would live in the peace you've provided through Jesus. That we'd rest in the power you give in the midst of life and trust in the peace of knowing you have overcome the world. Fill us, I pray. Hold us with your peace as we encounter you and experience the depth and richness of the life you provide, both now and forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.